Lord, I bless Heather. Thank you for the gift that is within her. Thank you for the uh, gift of prophecy that is upon her and uh, for understanding the times and the seasons and knowing how to move the church forward and strengthen it. We just bless her today. We bless her to speak your words and to bring a word in season uh, for your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, John, John McDermott, where's John? Come on, John. Just before I start, we're just going to release this word. I am... God's been on the case the last couple of days. I've been waking up at like half four and five. It's not normal, but yeah, I know God's in it. Yeah, and um, I had a few things this morning. One, one thing's for somebody else later. They had an area at the moment. But the other thing was, I heard the words, I'm 62 years old and I have dreams. And I don't know who that's for. If you, you, you know, you don't have to come forward, do it in when, if God prompts you or when God prompts you. But if you're 62 years of age and you may be feeling like you're getting old and the dreams aren't, and have not been fulfilled, I think God's in somebody's case. Good. Yeah. Why don't you two connect over lunch and bless him. Bless him. That's great. The other thing I wanted to do, though, some of them are out of the room. I'll wait till they come back in. Remind me at the end to do the thing that I was going to do. Alright? I ain't no Mary or Judith. <laughs> you can tell that already with get your notepads out, aren't you? But, you know, maybe I am just the thing for finishing this off, okay? And um, so what I felt to do is this is the last sort of talk, apart from your streams and prophetic booths, etc. this afternoon, is to um, kind of hopefully draw together and help you to focus on what it is that God has said to you or to us, this Kingdom Life School. So Kingdom Life School is about the kingdom. It's not about church building or any of that. It's about the kingdom. And we know that Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom of God. And... There's two or three key verses that we're going to explore this morning. And the first one is here in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And just, just to do with that PowerPoint, we're going to do that halfway through. All right, so don't need it yet. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus bursts onto the scene and says, The time has come. Or, now is the time. And, you know, everything to do with the kingdom is present. It's now. Now is the time. Now is the time. Yes, there's more to come. But now, it's at hand. It's available. It's within us. It's being released. And so he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near, close at hand. What's the appropriate response to that? He tells us, repent and believe the good news. All right? Kingdom, repent, believe. So we're going to come back to those three words in a second. But what I wanted to ask from you now is for you to think back over these last five days. What has God been saying to us in this Kingdom Life School? And I would like you to be able to call that out in a minute. But really briefly, you know, we don't need to repeat the whole teach. 
get it into a sentence or a word even. What have you perceived God has been saying to us this week? There's been lots of prophetic words, there's been lots of teaching, there's been lots of amazing things going on, but what is it he's been saying? Maybe, Phil, would you mind manning the board there, which is a bit wibbly-wobbly, and we're going to just collect together, you know, pare it down, boil it down to something that you're going to be able to remember and take hold and grasp. Because if all we remember is it was amazing, I mean, that's lovely, but that's not why the Kingdom Life School's here. We've got to get grasp, lay hold of the kingdom, right? Know what it is that he has said in order for something to last and happen. So, anybody going to be brave and just start off the contributions with something that we know God has said, Julie? Live intentionally, fantastic. I heard that down. I'm so pleased you said that. Chris? Raise the standard. Very good. Bev? He loves us. Rachel? There's a whole lot being about purity and sanctification. We'll just give Phil a chance to... Yeah, purity, sanctification. Wendy? Yeah. Get your mind renewed. Transform. Let him transform our minds. Chris, it's a new day. That's the now. The kingdom is here now. Not talking about it, you know, maybe in a few years for us to really access the presentness of his kingdom. There's more. Pat, keep coming back to him time and time again. Tell me a bit more about that because I, I don't know. He is our foundation. Yeah. Yes, Brian. Awaken the spiritual gifts. Brilliant. Martin, rest on the Lord's breast. He's got it. Actually, it's something up here that's been a bit covered up, but it it came earlier in the week. Um, yes, Robin. It is Robin, isn't it? Yeah, Robin. Yeah. And that does link into this image, you know, there's a great swirl going on in the world all around us now. But in the middle of it all, can you write down vortex, um, Phil? There is a still place in the middle of it all that we must access ourselves and we must... um, maintain, guard and nurture together. That is our safe place, but is the place that the desperate ones in that swirl are going to come and seek his face in too. So that was to do with you know the whirlwind. There's been loads of words about whirlwind with the, the vortex. Yes, uh, Pierco. Be single-minded, not double-minded. Yes, I've crossed the line. Single-mindedness. And uh, there's, there's many more things. Um, the siege is over. The siege is over. The whirlwind vortexing about finding that still place. Here we go, here's a clue. Shake yourself. 
shake yourself. That came so clear, didn't it? Shake yourself. That's about waking ourselves up, shaking off that which hinders, shaking with that rhythm from heaven. We've done the purity, consecration bit. We've got to hear his voice and access the oil. I believe Nath did something about that day one when I wasn't around. Is that right? The parable of the ten virgins? We've got to seek his face and access the oil for ourselves. Be intentional about pursuing and releasing the kingdom. Was there anything, um, Chris, that you think I've left out that were key things? Encounter. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Phil. You've done brilliantly. I knew I could get him to do it because he's good at spelling. And he wouldn't be embarrassed to, to do that. Okay. So, out of those many things, you might have had some personal prophetic words, which I'm not addressing right now. I'm addressing what he said to us as the people, as his people, all right? Because um, if we don't know what he said, there's no way we can do it. If we don't know what he said, we can't go and do it. And he has spoken to us, and we have a corporate responsibility now, a corporate responsibility to do something with what he has said to us. But it's going to involve these two things that Jesus said there, repent and believe. And by repent, I'm not necessarily talking about beat yourself up over it. I'm talking about change our minds repentance change our minds about it and that came up somewhere in that list didn't it okay so the kingdom's been at hand this week God has spoken what is our appropriate response to change our mind about something something from that kind of list and believe it in such a way that you and I walk differently as disciples of the king of the kingdom. Now I said this isn't about church, it's about kingdom. So everything we've done this week has not been about being, you know, a, a good church member it's been about becoming disciples of the king of this kingdom and there's been amazing amazing um, blessings invitations issued to us by this king and you know in, in Christendom we're really good at proclaiming all those invitations all those blessings, all the wonderful things that become um, available to us as part of the kingdom. But we haven't been quite so good about sharing the challenges there's going to be to lay hold of it, keep it, and walk in step with our king as good, fruitful disciples of his okay and so this is what I feel God's calling me to share with you today that you have very clearly in your mind what it is he said to us what it is you need to adjust in your thinking or you're perhaps already in the process of that so that you can believe and walk it out and have some lasting fruit from it, okay? So, for any disciple, there's always two key questions. What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? To be honest, the whole walk of your life 
as a disciple of the King is going to hinge on those two things. What is he saying to me and what am I going to do about it? So I'm just going to give you a moment, absolute quiet now, just to have a little think before I do anything else. I would like you to think in terms of some of these things God's been saying to us this week. For you personally, what has he said to you? There's no way you can deal with all of this in one go. Hone it down to one thing that you feel this is the key thing he has said. All right? Write that down. What is God saying to me? Write it down. The key thing he said to you. Could you have a go at that? Do that right now. Holy Spirit, just bring that clarity. Write it down. Shake yourself. The siege is over. Get oil. Know how to get in a still place. Be part of creating a still place in the middle of the storm. Learn how to rest your head on his breast. It's a new day. Get single-minded, sanctified, consecrated. Be disciples who live in purity. Live intentionally. Once you've written that one thing down, write yourself another question underneath. What am I going to do about it? your own question <laughs> what am I going to do about it start to jot down a few things just in this quiet moment in the presence of the Lord What am I going to do about it? Because if you leave today without knowing what he has said to us and what you personally are going to do about it, there's no way there'll be any lasting fruit. And that would be a crying shame. <laughs> because it's been so, whoa, so wonderful. 
He has given us so much. And I want him to have the pleasure of looking down six months from now, a year from now, and saying, these are my disciples who show themselves to be my disciples because of the fruit, because of their obedience. They have changed. I can trust them with more now. I want him to have that delight. I want him to have that reward. Don't you think he deserves it? Yeah. Okay. So there may be more for you to write yet on what you're going to do about it, but maybe you've made a start. And if you get a quiet moment at some point today in the lunch break or while you're waiting for your prophetic word, I'd encourage you, before you leave this place tonight, to have something solid written down there. Maybe even tell someone else, I've said before God, this is what he said to me. and This is what I intend to do about it. Because in speaking it out, you solidify that. And you mu- I'm not saying you must do it. But you voluntarily make yourself accountable to another disciple. And he likes that. He likes it. It helps us. It helps us to really make sure that fruit lasts in our life. Okay. So, um, the second key verse for today, and you might like to look this up and write it down. It's in um, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, and it's one of Jesus' parables. It's the parable of the wedding banquet. And you probably have read this parable before, but I know that there are some people here who haven't been Christians that long, so we'll just recap a little bit, okay? So Matthew chapter 22, the parable of the wedding banquet, Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom's like. Kingdom Life School, right? This is what the kingdom's like. It's like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. And he sent his servants to those who'd been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. And he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who've been invited that I've prepared my dinner. Everything's ready. Look, there's there's an ox roast. Everything's ready. Come. The wedding banquet is prepared. Second message goes out, but they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business, all doing their own thing. The rest even seized the king's servant, ill-treated them, killed them. And the king was enraged and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. This is Jesus' shock tactics teaching. He's telling a story, but the people standing there who have ears to hear and eyes to see are going, that's like God sending his prophets to his people, Israel, saying, come to me, come to me. I've, I've got all this ready for you. Come to me. But they stoned the prophets, did their own thing, etc. All right, so he's really... Stirring it up big time with this parable. Okay. Verse 8. And then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. I'm part of the anyone. I'm part of the anyone. You're part of the anyone who are invited to the king's kingdom's banquet. Okay? Anyone you find. Where was I? 
um, verse 10, so the servants went into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, yes, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. So we're now talking about the times we are living in now, where the great invitation is going out to good and bad. The net is being cast wide. There's going to be a great, great harvest of souls who respond to the invitation. Because, you know, the invitation is outrageously gracious and free. He just says, come to me. Anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. Come, follow me. You know, it's just a completely thrown wide invitation to every soul on the earth, isn't it? Okay? And they begin to come. Verse 11. The wedding, well, end of verse 10. The wedding hall was filled with guests. And that's the, the company that we are part of now. Okay, guests to the wedding feast. Verse 11, but when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend. I love that phrase. Friend, he asked. How did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Embarrassing, embarrassing moment. And then the king told the attendants, remember this is shock tactics teaching by Jesus, please remember this. He sometimes said exaggerated things to get his point over. Alright, like take your eye out if it offends you. Clearly that's shock tactics teaching, otherwise we would all be stumbling about with no eyeballs in our heads now, okay? So please realise this is, it's shock tactics teaching to get a point over. All right. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this is the verse. For many are invited but few are chosen. For many are invited. He's thrown the word out to all of us this week. Without distinction, he's given us an invitation into all these amazing things. But Jesus said, many are invited, but few are chosen. And it's a verse that troubles me. Does it trouble you? I can see it's troubling you, Jane. Like, what do you mean? You know, that doesn't sound... That sounds troubling. That means it's kind of worrying. But I, I want to dare to put something before you. That it's our response to the word... Our response to the word that makes us chosen. In other words, we choose to do something about it and it makes us chosen ones. We, we, we choose ourselves in. <laughs> we choose ourselves in. Yes, Bonnie. Mm. Yeah. That's what's implied here. That's what's implied there. It's a story. It's not a literal thing. It's a story to get a point over. What's the point he's trying to say? When the king comes into the kingdom and we're all gathered at the banquet, he's expecting to find guests who are clothed in what? Righteousness. Have put their, what they've changed into their wedding clothes. They've changed. They were invited with all sorts of stuff, clothed in all sorts of stuff. They were invited as they were. We're invited just as we are. But when it gets to the 
the banquet, feast of the king of the kingdom. He's expecting to see people there who were clothed in shabby stuff, but through their choices have clothed themselves in righteousness, have clothed themselves and made themselves ready. Doesn't the word says the bride has made herself ready? Shake yourself. Shake yourself. The bride has made herself ready. So he's not being a meanie and saying, you know, because you, you, know, you're, you were too poor to afford a wedding outfit. No, that would be a misinterpretation of it. We all have the power to choose what we do with the word. And the invitation's free. It comes by grace. It's absolutely outrageously generous. But I'm showing you the other side of the truth of the invitation. When we send our RSVP in saying, I'm coming, it means that there's a preparation time that we need to cooperate with so we can sit comfortably at that uh, wedding celebration. What it's going to imply for us. I'll have to change. Okay. In Christendom today, there is, um, there's been the most amazing revelation of the Father's love and of grace. And we've been preaching the outrageous uh, qualities of his grace, which is good. However, within Christendom, there's been... Uh, in just some quarters, not not widespread, some quarters, it taken to such an extent that some of these other words of Jesus have almost been left behind. That, and I feel that there's a danger in that, because to be a follower of Jesus when he walked the earth, those three years from age 30 to 33, if you, if you and I were one of those who were close to him being his disciples, it was blooming hard to be a disciple, to keep up with him. He would throw out these amazing invitations. Whole crowds of people would say, yes, I want in on that. But then he would start to say really uncomfortable things like, if any man would follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I will make you fishes of men. Oh, I don't want to do evangelism. I just want to go to church and maybe pray and read my Bible. Uncomfortable stuff. I've got a whole load of them here. Hold on. <laughs> yes, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I'm going to say some of this through the mic so you can hear. Trevor's saying, I'm inviting you, but he's also the one giving out the clothes. The thing is, when do we get to put the clothes on, Trev? Now is the time we get to put the clothes on. Now is our preparation time. It's no good thinking when I get there, I'm going to put it on. Now is the time. So you've really got that, Trev. He is handing out the clothes, but now is the time we need to change. We need to change. We need to prepare. Amen. Okay, can we find that? Um, oh, it's there, look. All right. Yeah, the next one on, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. We choose to accept those robes of righteousness by our obedience 
in sticking with him through life as he leads us through challenging situations that we say yes to him. Okay. Um, so can I have that next one? So here we go. Let's have a, a little romp through some of the amazing invitations, but then the challenges that there are to being disciples of the king in this kingdom. Here's a lovely invitation. Follow me. You think, oh, I'd love to follow Jesus. He multiplied food. He healed the sick. He set people free. I just so love to be around him. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But then he says, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once, immediately, straight away, they left their nets and followed him. So the invitation is lovely, but he wants jump to it response. <laughs> Matthew 10. Go, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out evil spirits. Is that just for a few Christians to do? The super Christians, like Mary and Judith, it's for disciples to do. So we can't check ourselves out of this stuff. And if I can't do it now, I need to say, this is my preparation time. I'm going to set myself to be a disciple who can deliver the goods of the kingdom to those around me. I need to be able to do that stuff. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to learn it. Get around people who can do it and learn from them. Next one. Lovely invitation. Come to me. I just love this invitation in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Oh, I felt weary this morning. <laughs> and I will give you rest. Oh, yes. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Learn to do it my way. For I am gentle, humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, I can't think of many people in the world who wouldn't want to respond to that invitation. But you've also got to put next to it another thing he said. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, yeah, Lord, Lord, I'd love that. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. This is unpopular teaching today because people will say, oh Heather, you're preaching a performance gospel and it's not about performance. We don't have to earn our way. We don't have to deserve our way in. True, we don't have to earn our way. We don't have to deserve this. The invitation is free by grace to all. Absolutely right. But I can't get away from the fact that Jesus said, do the will. That's some action. Doesn't mean I just lie in the Father's love forever and never produce anything from it. His love must compel me to something. Okay? Lie in the love of the Father and do something. Okay. So what is his will? What, do, what things do we know? He has made clear his will is for us these days making you work call some things out what is God's will for every disciple yeah choose his way let's have some specifics of what that is very good sorry yeah love our neighbour Right? That's something we have to actually do. And I don't think we can escape either from saying, well, you know, that, that's just like generally have a loving attitude to everyone. I think it includes our actual neighbour. Includes our actual neighbour. Love your neighbour. What else? Love yourself. Love God. 
Love God with all your heart, mind and strength. Love your neighbor, love yourself. Do that stuff. Okay, that's one thing that we know his will is. Yeah. Instead of gossiping and backbiting, do the opposite, which is bless, honor. Bless and honor all men. The word says honor all men. Specifically, Jesus um, confirmed that we should honor our father and mother. So honor your father and mother. Do it. Work out how you're going to do that if that's difficult for you. Maybe they don't deserve it. But he still says honor. How's that going to work? Work that out. Work it out. So love, honor. What else does he say? Forgive. 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 How many times to forgive? Forgive, 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 go on forgiving. And when you forgive and forgive some more, forgive. Anyone who crosses the line and offends, forgive. These we know he's told us to do. This is really clear. Love your neighbor, honor, forgive, give. Give and it will be given you. We can't be tight-fisted and say that we're a disciple obeying and following Jesus. He was so generous. Sticking close to him required being really generous. Even if you only had two loaves and five fish, or the other way around it might be, it required saying, you can... You can have even the little I've got. Give. All right, so we, we've, we're doing well about some of these basics of doing his will. Next invitation. Are you thirsty? Come to me and drink, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Anyone, anyone can take a drink from Jesus. Just anyone. You and me, we can take a drink. That's great. What a fantastic invitation. But, even in this, there's a hint of a challenge already. Let it flow. Let it flow. Give it away. Give it away. Freely you've received a drink. Freely give a drink. Freely you've received a drink this week. Go and give it away. Go and give it away every chance you get. Give some love. Give some encouragement. Give some practical help. Give it away. These are the commands of Jesus. These are the commands of the King of the Kingdom. And this is how we start to clothe ourselves and make ourselves ready uh, in the wedding clothes that we, we must be in when we're presented before him at the wedding feast by doing the will of the Father. Next one. Here's a lovely invitation. Uh, at the time, it was shocking when Jesus issued the invitation. He said, this bread is my body. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. It was an invitation. But it was quite a challenging one to do it. And he says, come on, take and eat. This is my body. This is the cup of the new covenant. The invitation is free, but we need to bear in mind that when we accept the invitation, we take the cup, we take the bread. He's inviting us into a covenant, promise, agreement. Just like he's proposing to us as our bridegroom. I want to marry you. Will you be your mine? I will be yours, will you be mine? 
at uh, at Litchett Minster School when Chris and sorry Litchett Minster Church when Chris and Bryony got married back in May, they said something along the lines in those vows: "All that I have and I am, I give to you." That's the invitation he says, I will give you all that I have and all that I am. But let us realize there's an appropriate response to that, to drinking the cup and saying yes to Jesus. It's all that I have and I am, I give to you. And when we take and eat of the body, I mean the bread, we need to realise, can we have the next slide? That he's inviting us not, in, not only into participation in himself, but in participation now with the body. Who is the body? <laughs> the other disciples. The other disciples. And so there's a big challenge. Big challenge here because it is lovely to partake of him but it is not always easy to be participating with the body there's challenges we rub each other up the wrong way we have different views on things you know we like different things we've got our preferences etc but we don't get to choose family do we and he's calling us to have the kind of relationships with each other that will hold fast whether we agree or disagree whether we like what somebody's doing or not to say I'm in covenant with you because I'm in covenant with Jesus and he's in covenant with you so I can't opt out from you And next one, please, Chris, or whoever's operating it. <laughs> Thank you. We, yeah, we mentioned this one earlier. Brilliant. I'm going to move on then so that we have plenty of time. Okay. Here's some more challenge. I haven't even got all the challenges from the Gospels. I've just got as many as I can pack into, you know, the next few minutes. Look at them in Matthew 25 and in Mark 4. It, the first one is about the uh, virgins and the oil. The challenge of making sure we've got enough oil to last us for the long haul. Be prepared for the long haul, but be quick to respond in the moment. That's a, that's a challenge, because we don't know when his voice is going to call us. And know how to get oil for yourself. Okay, another challenge you'll find in the Gospels. There's plenty of parables about talents, isn't there? Miners and talents. The challenge is that with whatever he's given us, he expects to see increase, he expects to see growth, he expects to see us invest it. He has... The blooming um, audacity to expect to see increase from what he's given us. Okay? The talents we have now are a test to see what we can be trusted with in future. This is how we clothe ourselves in white. By being trustworthy with what he has given us now. This is kingdom thinking this is kingdom mentality here to him who has more will be given and he will have an abundance whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him sounds really harsh doesn't it he expects us whether we have a little or a lot of finance of gifting of opportunity of skill of knowledge to put it to work 
And as soon as we do, he will bless it. Because he loves to see his disciples stepping out. He will bless it and increase will come. It's he who doesn't understand the heart of the Father that holds tight to our talent and will never put it right because they have a wrong mentality in their head that he is a harsh master and that he will not bless what they do. But he is a loving Father who cheers on risk takers and will come through and bless. He will add the multiplication. You haven't got to make it multiply. You've just got to put it to work. And he'll do the supernatural bit that we can't do. He looks for and expects fruit. I've put some scriptures up there and this is why these rather strange pictures are up the front here. There's several examples uh, both in the prophet Isaiah where he's talking about uh, examining the fig tree to see where the fruit is and is the fruit good or bad. But here in the parables, Jesus uh, takes the disciples, to, uh, I think, probably near a vineyard and um, starts to say, you know, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he does that amazing parable teaching, doesn't he? Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. And he, and he says, you know, this is perhaps how we start in him, a little vine, uh, not much fruit on us. And then we begin to grow. And this is looking pretty good because it's got a lot of leaf on it. But the point of a vine is not leaves, is it? The point of a vine is fruit. And, you know, it's occurred to me that in my Christian walk, as a disciple of Jesus, sometimes some phases in my life it's looked pretty busy. <laughs> a lot of leaf has been produced, but where's the fruit? Who's got saved? Who's got healed? Who's got delivered? You know, but but I've done a lot of courses. I've I've done a lot of meetings <laughs> and all of that. But actually, what he's looking for is. Okay, and then oh, being a disciple of Jesus is tough because he says even the branches that do bear fruit, he oh that's not fair. That was the fruitful bit. <laughs> he's not doing it to punish. He's doing it because he has in mind that you and I have the potential to get this. And he knows that if he prunes it back, when it grows the next year, see how thin that branch is there? When it grows the next year, if it's been pruned, if it's died to self, it will come back thicker and stronger, able to bear more weight. Because the fruit he has in mind for you and me as disciples of the kingdom is big fruit, heavy fruit to present to our king. And only those branches that endure the pruning and the denying of self have, have the ability to carry a lot of fruit. If we're not prepared to... Uh, accept the challenge, accept the pruning, accept the tough stuff of following him. We'll be a vine. We'll be loved by the Father. We'll be connected to him. But believe me, these scriptures, you read them for yourself, show that Jesus goes a-looking for fruit. He, that's what he's looking for. Fruit. You don't have to try hard to bear the fruit. We just have to obey to bear the fruit. It's not performance. It's not earning it. 
So you have to just accept the challenge. Say yes to God when it's costly. Obey him. Do what he says. And fruit will be produced because we've stayed connected in him. We've been disciples that haven't let go on that windy path of all the obstacles. We've kept hold of him. Of course you can have that, Lord. Of course you can have that, Lord. Yes, Lord, because I just want to stay holding your hand. I don't want to get disconnected. I don't want to say, that's too much, Jesus, and disconnect myself. Stay holding his hand. Stay saying yes. Stay accepting the challenges. Change your clothes. Change. Wear the robes of righteousness so that when he calls us, we can bring joy to his heart, being clothed in those robes of righteousness and have borne much fruit. Um, is there anything else on that PowerPoint? Or is that the end? Yeah. One last challenge. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve. If the King of the Kingdom took that attitude, surely all the disciples of the Kingdom would have the same attitude of serving. Here's another challenge. Whatever you do for the least of these brothers, you do for me. Jesus watches our treatment of the hungry, thirsty, strangers, unclothed, sick and imprisoned. Read it in Matthew 25. This is how we change our clothes. He's watching those responses and so on. So here we are. Many are invited. The invitation is incredibly wide. Few are chosen. And yeah, I think this is what I want to finish with, this verse. All right. In John 17, there's the most beautiful passage where we get to an insight into how Jesus prays for his disciples. And he's talking to his father as he's nearing the end of his life and he's praying for his disciples. And he, um, in verse 11, is praying that his Father will protect those disciples. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, Jesus said, and I kept them safe by the name you gave me, and none of them has been lost. So Jesus called disciples, and he prayed for them, and he could say at the end of the, his life, I've protected them with my prayers and I've lost none that you gave me. As his disciples now, he will give us some who we are to pray for, who will be like disciples. All right? And my hope is that I can stand before the Father one day and say, I lost nothing you gave me. How did he manage to do that? How did he manage to do that? Because he's dealing with human beings like you and me. How did he manage to not lose one? I believe the answer is here. A little bit further down. If I can focus. <laughs> Verse, oh gosh, can't focus on it. Verse 19. He said, 
for them, my disciples, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. How did he do it? He sanctified himself, set himself apart, consecrated himself, completely gave himself to the purpose, made himself clean, made himself the servant, prayed for them. He did that sanctification, yeah, to please the Father, but he also did it so that he could show them an example worth following, that he could show them a sanctified life that was so beautiful, his disciples would be inspired to do the same. Not, not driven to do the same, inspired into sanctification, so that later in life, they could lay down their lives for Jesus. They could lay down their lives for their friends. They could bring much fruit into the kingdom. This, I think, is our key. I think is our key now as disciples of the kingdom from all these different things that God's been saying to us, all the blessings, all the invitations he's releasing to us. If you want to get to the end clothed in white, and able to say, I've lost none that you gave me. Follow his pattern. Sanctify yourself that they may be sanctified. There are peoples, people whose destiny depends on my willingness to sanctify myself. There are people whose future depends on your willingness to sanctify yourself, to shake yourself, to set yourself apart for the purpose. Because they will be kept if they can see an example before their eyes of a sanctified life, how beautiful it is, how fruitful it is, how inspiring it is, how worthwhile it is. They'll say, I want to be like that. How did you get to be like that? For this I sanctify myself, Jesus said, that they may be sanctified. Shall we stand? Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you for every word that's been released into these wonderful people here this week. I pray that we would be good soil. I pray that your word seed will have fallen into soil that nurtures that word, that brings forth 30, 60, 100 fold, that is prepared to die to self that is prepared to endure the pruning, that is prepared to hang on through the challenge and say, I can't let go of you because my life depends upon being connected to you, Jesus. I pray that we will be ones who will drink the cup and say, yes, I set myself apart so that I may present myself in clothes of white and be able to say, I have lost none that you gave me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Don't forget the thing. Thanks, Trevor. Every mum who's here with a baby, just come on up, or with a child. Danny, Jen, is Hannah still around? Yeah, any of you who, who've been here with your children this week. Yeah, just you, that's all right. I just want to say, and, and pass this on to Jazz. Um, Christina, will you pass this on to Jazz? You know, you've been hungry. You've been wanting to access. 
but you've also been spinning the plates of taking care of your children and being loving mums. And so sometimes, yeah, spinning those plates, yeah. Sometimes, you know, your concentration gets interrupted. You, you don't have the privilege of just throwing yourself in an abandoned way into what God's been doing. But I just want to commend you and bless you because you've taken care of your little ones so beautifully. And Jesus has seen that you have tended to that. And would you like to just stretch your hands towards them and we just say, let them receive everything that you've had in mind for them, Lord, as they've given to their children and blessed us by taking care of them so well, being sensitive to manage them so well. We say we honour you, we bless you, and just download into them everything they hunger for, everything they thirst for, Lord. Multiply to them. Give it to them somehow, if not one way or another, Lord. Yes, sneak up on them, get it to them somehow. Let them receive the reward of their serving of their children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Very good, Lexi. Amen. Thank you. That's good. Bless you. Enjoy lunch. That took a long time. <laughs>